0: Hello, my name is David Lessner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at creekwoodumc.com or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God.
1: Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word, which today is from 2 Chronicles five eleven through 14 <clears throat> Now, when the pe- the priests came out of the holy place... For all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to their divisions. All the Levitical singers, Asaph, Haman, Jeduthun, their sons and kindred, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. It was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and the other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good, <clears throat> for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. So that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: So please imagine with me those places or that place where you um, kind of feel the the cloud of the Lord is so expansive that you can hardly do anything else. That you can hardly even move or or think about anything else because the, the presence of the Lord is just so thick. Perhaps it's in a worship service here at Creekwood. Perhaps it's around your Thanksgiving table with your family or your friends and your chosen family. Perhaps for some of you it is at the latest sporting event you went to and everybody is on the same page and rooting off your team. And that is just where you're just in the presence of, of something larger than yourself. Um, one of the places I consistently feel that is a uh, United Methodist conference camp, North Texas conference camp called Bridgeport, which is in Bridgeport, Texas, and it is just a wonderful place, and I think it's so wonderful because um, it's not just your home church with with your people that you're used to all the time. It's in a different setting. It's in a, a combination of churches from all over the North Texas Conference. Some people even invite friends who come all the way from Austin and other places, and you get there, and the only purpose For everyone being there, the only shared value and identity is that they are there to worship God, to grow in friendship, to have some fun, and and it's just this place about it's just place where I have consistently found the cloud of the Lord to be so thick because of all the thanksgiving that happens there. People are just nicer because that's why they're there. People are just more expressive in their worship because that's why they're there. It is this intentional place of gratitude, this intentional place of giving thanks together with people from all over the North Texas area. And it's just a place that's always rung true, that the presence of the Lord is there and I can feel the thanksgiving pouring out from all the people. So I want to take you to Bridgeport for a little bit because we're going to do something together. We're going to, we're going to go to camp. Uh, for a little bit, and you can all be excited. So I'm going to need an individual, a couple individual volunteers here for just a little bit. So um, Hugh, I need you to do something for me. Yeah, ready to go. Okay, he's excited. So Hugh, uh, we're going to do a thing called the Texas Rainstorm here. Um, so Hugh, I need you to demonstrate. So Hugh, if you could rub your hands together like this. Can y'all hear that? Okay, i tell you what. I need everyone to rub your hands together like this. Can you hear that? Okay, good job. Hugh, you started a movement here. All right, you can stop that. All right, Uh, Craig, I need you to snap for me. Can y'all hear that? Okay, everybody, let's try and all snap together. Now we can hear it. Okay, great. So um, Chuck, I need you to pat your knees for me. You can kind of hear that. Everybody pat your knees. Now we can hear that. Okay, last one. Let's see. Dave, I need you to stomp on the ground for me. That's okay. Everyone, stomp on the ground. All right, you see how much better it is when we do all this together? Okay, so we're going to do something called the Texas Rainstorm. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to do this. Not right now. You're going to do this. Then you're going to snap. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to start it. So we're going to do a big wave, like a Texas Rainstorm goes across the plains. So we're going to start over on this side. And when I, when, when my hand kind of comes to you, that's when you're going to switch. So you're going to start with hand rubbing. Next time I go across, you're going to move to snapping. Next time I go across, you're going to move to padding. And when someone else changes, you keep doing what you're doing. So hand rubbing, snapping, padding, stomping. Then it's going to go from stomping, padding, snapping. (laughs) Y'all are smart. You can do this, (laughs) right? We've done harder things than this before. Are you ready? Ready? Let's go to camp for a little bit. All right, ready? All right, ready? Y'all are still stomping. Pretty cool, right? Sounds like a rainstorm. So much better than when Hugh and Chuck and Dave and them were trying to do this all by themselves. It's so much cooler, and it's cooler when you leave it as a prolonged movement. I did it a little faster because I know y'all like to get out of here in an hour, but so it's a little—it's it's cooler when it's even prolonged, when I mean, you've got even more people who are doing this. It just—it's it, just something you can't do by yourself. It's something you can try and do by yourself. I can stand up here and do this, and y'all would all be looking at me like, this is a waste of my time today. But when we're doing it together, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit of a, wow, we just created a rainstorm instead of a sanctuary. This is one of those experiences that unites us. It's one of those things to say, I I took part in that. I, I got to be a part of something. And we've been focusing a lot on those people that did something for us. Those people that helped shape us. Those people that continue to do things for us. And sometimes even... When we're talking about our communities that we are a part of, we talk about, I love my church. And when we say, I love my church, it's usually what my church does for me. But what about what we get to be a part of? That identity that we get to form together, these shared experiences that bring us together, that that create us a little bit more, that we get to give thanks together, and in getting things together, we get to form beautiful music, and we get to form rainstorms, and we get to form communities of grace and acceptance that we just can't do by ourselves. And, and this is—in Second Chronicles, the, the Levites, the priests, are uh, coming out of the temple with this immense amount of thanksgiving. And it's a special day. If we were to go back to the beginning of that Second Chronicles passage in chapter 5, it's a momentous day because they are bringing the Ark of the Covenant to the temple. And the Ark of the Covenant, if you'll remember, is where the two tablets of Moses that he wrote the Ten Commandments on from Sinai are put in the Ark of the Covenant, or at least the remnants of them after he shattered the first copy, I guess. The, uh, and it is considered to be where the, the two seraphim are on the top of the uh, on the top of the ark is considered to be where God's presence is in this world. And when they take it into the Holy of Holies in the temple, that's when the Holy of Holies becomes the place of the presence of God. It's where the the cloud of God is so thick that when you enter in, you can't help but worship. You can't help but do anything else because it's so present amongst this place, at least in the idea of the of the Jews at the time. And so this is a momentous day. It talks about the, the ark, and it talks about having poles of cedar so long that as they're walking up the stairs, you can't see where the beginning and the ending are because it's such a momentous uh, ornamental structure that they're carrying into the temple. And this is, this is one of those big days. This is a Thanksgiving. This is a Christmas. This is an Easter. This is a graduation. This is a Super Bowl. This is one of those big days that you just don't want to be by yourself on. And normally in the sacrificial system, um, King David in First Chronicles 24 had organized the priests, the Levites, had organized the priests into 24 different divisions, if you will. And it's a separation of duties. That way, nobody has to be on duty all the time. No one has to be on call all the time. Um, it's good management. It's what Jethro helped Moses do when they were going, through the, going into the wilderness. Um, so it's good management. That's the way every, no priest gets burned out. And even though they were divided into—even with the divisions, um, at the temple, there were actually multiple different sacrificial spots— So if I were going into the temple and you were going into the temple, we might be going for the same purpose, but we might not actually interact with each other. They had public worship, but they also had individual worship. And so just by the nature that we were both religious and that we were both believers in God and that we wanted to honor God with our sacrifice, we might not actually be doing that together. And that's okay. Because Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, like, you know, it, you know, don't be like the Pharisees who parade their prayers out in the streets for all the attention and glory and all. Be, be somebody who prays in private, right? Really give your attention to God and let God give God's attention to you and, and have those moments. And, and if you're like me, sometimes when you're cruising down the road, it's just really nice to be able to sing in the car with nobody judging you for what your singing voice sounds like. So personal praise and personal thanksgiving is great. And it's great that they had that in the temple but not on the day that the Ark of the Covenant is coming in. Not when you're going to church camp. Not when you're celebrating something big. Those are moments in which, like, you eat the bite of chocolate and you want to say, isn't this amazing? And it's really hard to do that when you're by yourself. And so the Levites all came together that day. They came together regardless of the division, regardless of the class, regardless of what their night shift or day shift was. They all came together. And, and thank you, Bill, for reading the, the scripture that had all the hard names in it. They, they all came together and they uh, were singing and they brought trumpets and they brought lyres. They brought the whole band out. They didn't bring one trumpeter and they didn't bring one guitar. They brought the whole band out. And, and part of that is because it's such a big day, You want to honor, I mean, there's a reason why we have, you know, the choir concert's going to have some more brass in it. There's a reason why we do big days, big days, is we want them to be honored, to celebrate honorably. But that's not the only reason you bring everybody out. On a day, on a moment when, when it's so momentous to who we are, it's not that just you want to make a big show and production out of it so everybody's impressed. You want to give everybody a chance to be a part of it. How many of you went to the rangers parade celebration? Anybody in here? Probably a smart move. That's what everybody who went said it was, uh, it was both fun and terrible at the same time. And it was fun and terrible at the same time because the people who went there, you know, one estimate said 700,000 people. One estimate said 500,000 people. This is kind of like preachers count worship attendance, and we add a couple thousand people to the numbers. Um, but 700,000 people, and they said, well, I couldn't even get 10 rows up to where I could see anything, but I was there. And I couldn't even hear what they were doing on stage. But you know what? I was there. And so it was this joyful, cool experience because you got to be a part of the ranger celebration, but at the same time, hard because, you know, to take part in it. Well, this is an opportunity that they were trying to find ways for everybody to be a part of it ways for people to go down the road and say, you know, I remember when we brought the Ark of the Covenant. I remember when we brought God's presence fully into the temple so that we could be God's people and this could be God's land and and we could live for God in all the ways. I remember that moment. And and then they could be talking about that moment and and their friend could come back and be like, I remember that moment too. Wasn't that the most glorious time? And they got to share together in that experience. And, And sharing together is where we form our common identity. And in these shared experiences we have, uh, when we give thanks together, uh, three things happen with our identity. When we come together for worship, three things happen together within our identity. When we all find a way to be together as a community, three things happen. One is that shared identity. It is the, the Rangers won the World Series. Yes, they did. I knew that too. And, and so all of a sudden you have something in common to talk about, and you have this common bond. I love Jesus. You love Jesus. I got to do a Texas rainstorm and worship. I got to do a Texas rainstorm and worship. It's a shared identity that gives us a common bond to unite together. So that all of a sudden we're not strangers. And when we are able to unite together over something, then all of a sudden we're a little less defensive or afraid of that someone. It's why meals are such an identity-forming thing. Identity for me, and not meals where you all order your own thing off the same menu, but the Thanksgiving meals where you pass the family style around and you all have to touch the same things and you all have to eat the same things. It's it's not intentional necessarily, but because you held the sweet potatoes and they held the sweet potatoes, you feel just a little bit of a connection. And so when we do things together, when we give things together, it's a shared identity that we have. But it's also a confirmed identity. It's what I tell people that I told the children uh, at children's time is your decision to be here today validated the person sitting next to you's decision to be here today. And maybe it shouldn't be that way. Maybe we should all just be like, yes, I love coming to church, but sometimes 8.30 is a little early, correct? I have heard that from a few of you, (laughs) right? It's a little early, but you made the effort to be here, and I'm guessing that by the end of this day, you will feel joyful and thankful that you were here because somebody else was here to confirm that you made a good decision. We got to sing together. We got to laugh together. We got to do all these things together. And it confirms that you made a good choice. And so we share these experiences together. We have something that builds the bridge of commonality, but then it also confirms that we made the right decision to be a part of that. We made the right decision to be at the temple that day, to celebrate and to give thanks. And when we did, we experienced the cloud of God so thick. The cloud of God was so thick because the people were giving thanks so heavily, so heavily. They were recognizing what God had done for them in leading them through the wilderness and out of slavery. They were recognizing the miracles that God had provided. They had recognized that what they had been through as a people. And that allowed them to have a continued identity. I'll go back to the Rangers World Series victory. I have owned a Texas Rangers hat since 1994, probably. It is one of the only—it's not the same hat, because that would have been deteriorated by now from sweat— Um, But I I bought the same blue and red hat. I just keep—I'm normal. I'm boring like that. Um, Since I I really got into baseball around 1994, and um, I've worn this hat with with mostly shame throughout this entire time. I'll say I'm a pretty good fan, but, you know, it's very hard to wear the hat of a team in other cultures, especially, let's say, Houston Astros fans, when you haven't won anything ever— And I noticed the other day, I I noticed yesterday, I went to the TCU game yesterday against Baylor and I had my purple on through and through, but I threw on my Rangers hat. Normally I would wear my TCU hat and I got in the car and I thought, oh my gosh, I wore the wrong hat today. And the next thought in my head was, no, 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 people are going to know that I'm a Rangers fan. Because I've got a shared identity with anybody else who's going to be excited about the World Series victory. And you know what? They won, and there are a whole bunch of people there, which confirms that I can be proud to be a Rangers fan. And so by God, I'm going to wear this wherever I go from now on. Because I've got that continued identity. When we experience the joy, when we experience the clouds so thick because of our shared identity or confirmed identity, when God shows up to these places, and when we recognize at least that God shows up to these places, it confirms that we don't just have to be in that place. How many of y'all will go and I don't want to isolate anybody but how many of y'all are doing something around Thanksgiving with friends or family or a community or something like that just raise your hand if you're doing something around Thanksgiving most people are doing something around Thanksgiving not everybody but most people are doing something around Thanksgiving How many of you have done or at least in some part of your life done the same thing at the same place around Thanksgiving for a prolonged number of years A lot of people right this is my father-in-law cooks a mean thanksgiving dinner and he had the audacity to move to florida four years ago so we don't go to his house for thanksgiving anymore although florida would be very nice to go celebrate and i remember the first conversation maybe you've had these conversations in marriage before but it was um when you first get married and you assume that all of your holiday traditions are just going to carry over into the marriage and you realize that your spouse's holiday traditions are also going to carry over the marriage, and you realize that's not going to work really well. This is actually one of the main points I talk about in premarital counseling, is holiday traditions. Um, because I remember my wife definitely won the arguments because her dad cooks a mean Thanksgiving dinner. And so for the first, whatever, 13 years of our marriage, it was the same pl- you know, same place, same food, every year, same time, Cowboys on TV, Longhorns at some point down the road, whenever they played the day before. And we even sat in the same seats every time. And you laugh at that, but you all do that every Sunday morning. Right? But part of that routine... Part of that act, the practice of thanksgiving in routine forms us for who we are. I forever know that I am a part of the Thompson family because I did that every year. I know that sharing that experience year over year over year, I know that coming to this place week after week after week, I am a part of that. And so when I am not here— I carried Creekwood with me. When I'm not part of the Thanksgiving dinner at my father-in-law's house, I'm still part of the Thompson family and can carry that with pride. When we share in these experiences and we're confirmed in our identity, it allows us to go and continue that identity on so that we can give thanks in all things as Paul tells us to do. We can recognize that when Paul and the Philippian church are separated from each other, he continues to give thanks for them and they continue to do ministry together even when they are separated. So what we do when we give thanks together is we form ourselves to give thanks other places. We confirm that we should give thanks other places. And when we are thankful uh, what God has done in the other places of our lives, that's when we get to invite other people to give thanks. And that's when we get to invite other people to join in what we are thankful for. And maybe they get to help uh, form—maybe they get to recognize their own identity around the table of God, in which everybody is invited to have that— routine and structured and normal habitual desire, the habitual joy of the cloud of the Lord being there, all because we get to give thanks together. It's, it's very easy when we say, when we, when we go around Thanksgiving, we say, what are we thankful for? And it's, you know, something about me usually. What has somebody done for me? What have I gotten? What's a blessing of me? But isn't it just great to be part of something? Isn't it great to be part of a family, part of a friend group, part of a church, part of a team. Isn't it great to be able to, not just to give thanks for something, but to give thanks with people, to celebrate with people, to sing with people, to love with people. This is what God has designed us for. Uh, the, The call to worship was designed that way about the triune God, because God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the model of the perfect relationship that we're supposed to have. And we are blessed when we don't isolate into divisions of 24 groups of priests anymore, but we come together on days like this and we get to sing together. We get to be together. We get to share who we are together. We get to confirm who we are together. And from this place, we get to go and be who we are together. Let's pray. Jesus, God, it is in your presence that we give thanks when we intentionally come to your temple to recognize your presence around us, to confirm with shouts of joy and trumpet blasts, with rainstorms and laughter, that you are in this place. So God, help us to not only confirm that you are in this place, but to remember that you are all places that you have moved before us out of these doors and are waiting for us in the nooks and crannies of the world around our family dinner table with the friends we'll gather to celebrate with and every event we go to, you are there already and we can give thanks and point your presence to those who need to feel the joy of the Lord. And so God, as your cloud uh, was so thick with those who gave thanks, may we be uh, such a thanksgiving crowd that wherever we go, people, people notice the cloud of the Lord following us. And they might recognize there's a lot to be thankful for, for all that you've done for us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC and our website, CreekwoodUMC.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.